Hello and welcome to the Practical Magic Podcast, a weekly dive into ways in which we can live a calmer, more creative and empowered life on our own terms. I'm Kate Taylor, Creativity and Empowerment Coach, and I'm on a mission to help us live an embodied life full of creative expression through my blended melting pot of goodness I call Practical Magic. On this week's show, I'm talking with the founder of Koya, Rochelle Sheik, on how we can tune into the wisdom of the body. If you're not familiar with Koya, it's a movement practice that's based on the idea that through movement we remember that we are wise, wild and free. And Rochelle shares more about how Koya came to be and how it can help us navigate the reality of our existence. Today on the Practical Magic podcast, I have got a guest for you, right? This woman has changed my life, well, helped me change my life. This is, um, I'm welcoming on the show, Rochelle <laughs> Sheik. She's the founder of Koya. So Koya is the movement practice that I teach and it combines movement, ritual, community and pilgrimage for women. And since its inception in about 10 years ago now, Rochelle's trained hundreds mm-hmm. of Koya teachers, including myself, and taught thousands of Koya movement classes and led dozens of restreet- retreats in some of the most sacred places on earth with one intention in mind, and that is to remember and help others to do the same. I am just over the moon to have you here, Rochelle. I wondered if you could Start by giving an introduction to yourself and your journey with Koya and how it's come to be. Mm. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for inviting me to be here. It's such an honor and a privilege and so inspired by you and all your practical magic. And um, and and thank you to everyone that's listening. Such an honor when we're able to gather together um, with technology. So, so me and Koya... Let's see here. Uh, me, I grew up as a dancer, and dance was really um, more than a hobby. It was like my catharsis through the challenges of my young life, but also this way in which when I when I was dancing, everything was manageable. All the challenges in my home, you know, the the angst of being a teenager, like everything was okay if I was dancing, and and that led me to to go for a dance scholarship in college. But then I ended up going on the path of yoga because as I continued dancing, it started to get kind of competitive. There were some really unhealthy habits that were really common in the dance uh, as we headed towards professional dance um, levels. And so then I actually quit dance, which I never thought I would do and did yoga for about 10 years. And then after all this yoga, I felt so clear in some ways, but I also felt really numb or maybe not numb, neutral, neutral. I felt like I had really stepped into like observer witness consciousness. And, um, but I felt like I was missing out on some of like the, the, the positive aspects of attachment (laughs) and connection and passion. So I started uh, really studying a lot of ancient goddess practices, divine feminine. And then all of a sudden, I was in a women's group in New York City. And this woman asked the question, everyone's telling me I need to get out of my head and into my heart. I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, If it's fitness, I'm screwed because I have a hard time like 
I'm not really into the gym. I'm not really into yoga, dance. I tried pole dancing. It wasn't for me. So, so basically when this woman asked that question, I had this moment where I really felt inside of myself that everything up to this point, yoga, dance, all the feminine movement I was doing, I realized I was never doing any of that movement because I wanted to burn calories, get stronger, more flexible. I did all of those movement practices because they helped me feel more like myself. And so I felt like, you know, she wasn't asking, like, what is the next fitness fad that's going to help me get out of my head and into my body? It's like it was this whole idea that movement was a way to come deeply into your essence and your true self. So I just said, I was like, hey, why don't we do this class? We'll do it like Sunday nights, New York City, and it won't matter what it looks like. And we're just going to focus on how it feels. And we're going to explore and ask the question, like, what are the movements that a woman's body wants to do to feel the most authentically like herself? And so it started like most good things as an experiment. And it's just one of those things, you know, we'll know it's right if it works. And so, so we started and, um, and the classes sold out and women were like, I've waited my whole life for this class. And then like all good things, it would evolve and change and refine, refine itself. And so here we are nine years later, about 600 women engaged in the Koya teacher training program, 20 different countries, um, over, you know, 55 retreats all over the world and me having like the incredible blessing and just humble, like kissing the floor of the stars. <laughs> and, um, and every woman that comes that I get to do this cause I love it so much. And, um, you know, when it, I guess one of the things is, is it, it's of course, everything is not for everyone, but for the women who really resonate with it, they do experience very positive changes of being able to come deeper into themselves and, and in all these conversations around the divine feminine and listening to our intuition, I'm very biased, but I believe very strongly there's, there's really no way you can bypass the body and embodiment practices are absolutely necessary because we're really making that, that shift to trust ourselves through the sensitivity and messaging that comes through our intuitive knowing, which often comes as a felt sense so if you are very numb, if you are very exhausted, if you yeah. are very, um, you know, closed off from feeling, it's going to be really difficult to find that inner intuition, inner wisdom, and knowing that it's going to be absolutely necessary to take that courageous step on the path. So a hundred percent. Yes. So that's a little bit about me and Koya up yeah. to this point. And just to echo that and my experience of it, so I share this story in terms of when I came to Koya, um, and I, I was completely rallying against it. It's so interesting. Like my intuition wanted it and fell into it because it kept drawing me in, and yet my head was going, "We don't need this. You don't need to move your body. Oh, it's just a thing." And actually, it got to the point where I just couldn't like with all intuition you can't ignore any anymore and actually I'd been going through such when I talk about it now and I put a label on it it's in other words what we would call depression but I had no feeling from the neck down there was just I was all in my head and 
no, I couldn't trust myself. I couldn't trust my judgments. And I was numb, you know, years of grief and different one thing after another had just rendered me completely incapacitated to feel anything. But it was when I was doing Coir and I was doing it with my darling friend, Jane Goldheart. And, um, and she remembers it as vividly as I do. I remember just in the free dance element of Coir, we'll talk more about the pillars, but I had my arms out aloft and I was spinning around in circles and I just remembered, remembered the joy of what it felt like to be a kid Mm. and be completely like not worrying about what people thought, not being conscious. And my body just flooded with joy. And it was in that moment, I was like, whoa. And I'm getting really emotional thinking about it (laughs) because in that moment, I was like, this 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 is it this is what I needed and I like within three weeks I was signed up to come out to Costa Rica and (laughs) it's just opened up so much for me it's such a gift so thank you thank you thank you thank you Mm. such a gift to 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 share that with you as well because um it's important you know I think to get that feedback for yourself too uh, as as the founder of Koya um, and passing that on and it is it's it is such a, a connection to the body and in these days in which we're at and we are you know there's so many distractions and we are so busy all the time and one of the things we talk a lot about in practical magic is how to deal with our full range of emotions it is access to that and whether they're um and, and in Korea you go through a whole cycle don't you so mm-hmm. Rochelle I wondered if you could give us a bit of your take on the body as the truth guide of course So one of the things that I'm very passionate about is the body is a truth guide. And I think that before we begin talking about it, there's just a real um, clear differentiation to make. And that is that when the body is in a place of calm, balanced centering, the messages that come through are often incredibly supportive indicators of intuition and and very trustworthy. Um, However, when the body is in a fight or flight response, an emotional trigger, um, or just incredibly um, out of balance, I think that then the the cravings and the impulses of the body, um, if we're able to be at that moment of, of really observing what state our body is in, the next step in that place is to bring the body into a place of balance. So maybe some of us in our lives have had this place where we felt like our body was guiding us in a way that was untrustworthy. And so we might not be so quick to, you know, get onto this idea in Koya or in so many other things. They like, know the body is your guide. You can trust it. But the the main aspect to remember is, you know, life is full of nuance and subtlety. And this is one aspect of this topic where um, that, you know, when our nervous system is calm, that the body is incredibly trustworthy. And when our nervous system is hijacked off, then the next step there would be not doing all the things that the body says to do, but coming to a place of balance, you know, whether that's a bath or yoga class or a koya class or a hike in nature anything that works. And so um, so when the body is in this, you know, balanced place, um, I feel like the messages yeah. are 
um, there, I'm thinking of uh, my friend Megan Watterson, who wrote Reveal and, and some many beautiful books and is just about to come out with this Divine Feminine Oracle. But she would talk about the times, like the differentiation between the soul voice and the ego voice, which could also be like equivalent with the the body calm and you know the nervous system hijacked. And it's just like, you know, the voice that sounds like a used yeah. car salesperson of like, yeah. you know, like is really trying to sell you on something and like you have to do it in the next 10 minutes, you know, and it's just like, it sort of yes. feels wrong, but maybe, maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's like, I'm getting a super big, great deal right now. You know, that, that, that's not necessarily the voice of the body that we want to align with, <laughs> but she talks about the soul voice, you know, being, you know, consistent when you think about it, there's a sense of expansion versus contraction. And, um, every single one of us, I mean, this is the joy of living a human life is we have things that are similar between all of us, but figuring out the unique ways in which we relate to our own body is something that we get to practice all day long. Uh, so, the invitation that I have is is for people to to start asking their body. So one way to develop this is like if you want stronger biceps, you do bicep curls. Is to practice listening to the body. So it could be like your lunch break um, at work. It could be like an hour on the weekend. But I always encourage people to imagine leaving your home or your office without a plan and start walking. You know whether you're in a urban area or a rural area and just practice listening to your body. Do I turn right or left? Do I go into the store or not? And you just start practicing listening to the body where that's your only objective. And I did that for about a year. So I, yeah, I got a one-way ticket to India and the whole point of that trip um, where I traveled for about a year was to practice listening to my intuition because I and the wisdom in my body because I had noticed that my life up to that yeah. point was I was just on a momentum tunnel of the culture around me. I wasn't really making decisions. I was just, you know, I was just on the train of what everyone else was doing. Uh, so I, I deeply practiced that and I, a lot of people have done this exercise and have had these really fun synchronicity and magic things emerge. And I think that's one of the ways in which um, we we find this um, alignment on our soul's path. It doesn't happen every single time. So don't want to build a, you know, a huge false expectation, but it, it does seem to happen as we open our eyes to it. Uh, when we ask for that guidance that we're on the right path and it resonates with the body. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? Because that's what I love about your book um, as well. And having read it inside and out is is it feel, like everything that you have learned from that experience of being guided by your intuition, it can't be wrong. And, and it's such a good way of living life. I've personally myself been really interested in listening to my intuition a lot more clearly because so many things happen and you know there's that meme of like I told you so said intuition because it's always the case when you kind of look back and go oh hindsight's an amazing thing but it's so much of tuning into our own essence our own energy our own soul if you like of that's what intuition is there to 
help talk to us about it's kind of listening in and again i love what you're talking about with megan because i completely um, agree with that about the the ego voice i was asking a client actually recently like what what kind of voice has your ego voice got and they're like they're a bit like a teenager who's having a strop (laughs) so how would you deal with that voice at that time but um you know, it's when when we can soften down and and listen in. There's so many lessons in there, and we choose and we can do what we want with those, right? But it's when we can listen into them that we can be guided so much better by ourselves, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Yeah, and what I love about Koya as well is it is an invitation to slow down because mm. when we're running at a million miles an hour, we're we're missing a lot of the signs we're missing a lot of the signs for ourselves but also what our but the subtleties that our body has got to tell us so this is something i've really taken from coir is that invitation to slow down wondered if you could share with us a bit more about that from your perspective as well of course i think one of the things that is important to notice and i invite um, people into this when we're in the coir class a lot is you know, let's say we're circling any part of our body, our shoulders, our chest, our hips, and say, now we're going to do two more, but go twice as slow as you think is slow. So even anyone that's listening, um, you know, you could do this now. It could be, it could be circling your wrists, your shoulders, your chest, your hips, even if you're sitting in a chair and just go twice as slow as you think is slow. And then notice what it feels like when you're not in a hurry to get somewhere and there's space to just be where you are. Mm. And if you give yourself some space to actually feel that, it's a really different way of being related to your body, um, the moment, then, you know, again, the momentum tunnel. And... The idea is that the more we slow down, the more we feel. So so if the goal is feeling versus accomplishing, if the goal is connection uh, versus completion, then this ability to just drop in and be in the experience And I think we all can relate to like how special it is when we interact with someone and they're not in a hurry or multitasking or going off to do the next thing, but they are, as we say, they're really present. Yeah. And so it's like so delicious when we have that with another person. And so imagine how delicious it would be if we had that with ourselves. (laughs) And so if we had, and so... Um, and, and it, the whole class is not that slow as you know. Um, yeah. but it, it does introduce this idea, um, of, of slowing down is one of the many ways that we can, we can drop in. Yeah. And it's such a, an important metaphor for life, isn't it? Because, you know, time is expansive and if we want to live a fully embodied enriched fully experienced life then let's slow down to 
take a look and let's slow down. It, it's amazing how much more you can notice, not just in your body, but in and around you, isn't it? You know, if you're going for a walk and you're walking really slowly and you're taking a mindful walk in nature, like feeling the ground underneath you and really connecting in with, you know, say a flower or the smells or looking at the sky, like, oh, that just feels so enriching, doesn't it? So, Rochelle, in Koya, obviously there's an invitation to drop into the hips and the hips are such an incredible amount of power for unconscious creativity, for coming into our feminine wisdom. But something that as women particularly there's been years maybe where we haven't connected in with that part of the body. So I wondered if you could share a bit more about why we connect in with hips in Koya. Mm, thank you. I just um, had this image of imagining like, how could you not connect with the hips? They're <laughs> such an essential part of our body. Of and, and I guess one of the main reasons we connect with the hips that I often think of, like why, oops, sorry, <laughs> um, is that uh, because they're there, because they're part of the body, because we connect with every part of the body. And so it's so, sort of funny to imagine, um, you know, not, not, not giving attention. Uh, but of course, there's other reasons. So, so uh, there's a there's a woman who you know, um, Alon, and mm. before she taught her her hip opening and her Koya class for teacher training, you know, she said, considering, you know, all of humanity has been, you know, nurtured and birthed, you know, through the hips, I'd follow them anywhere. Oh, and so, that woman's so much wisdom. <laughs> right. Exactly. So obviously we're living at a time where the the essence of the feminine, the body of the feminine, um, the rights, uh, wisdom, passion, power of the feminine is rising. And, and thank goodness for that. And there is a very um, profound, practical, practical magic um, that comes when we are able to be in relationship with the the transformation and alchemy that is always happening um, through the womb space, um, the hips also being one of the places in which we are potentially able to experience the most pleasure and like everything as we experience more on one eye end of the spectrum, it's possible to also experience more on the other. Yes. So, so statistically, um, being a woman in this culture, we understand that this is a place of sensitivity, of, re of reverence, but in Koya, we also realize this is a place of great potential. So some women will do the hip opening in a Koya class, and they will heal this chronic pain they've had for years and have been taking medication for because it turns out what they actually needed was 
circulation of blood, oxygen, and energy to actually move their hips um, instead of just having a sedentary lifestyle and not really getting the full range of movement. So people might have a very deeply healing experience, you know, that way. Um, some women will come to Koya and maybe it's just they've been feeling sort of numb and disconnected. And there's a funny story I'll share in the teacher training where um, one of my close friends brought a friend of hers to class, but then she left like in the middle and we were so nervous, like, is everything okay? And um, and then we called her after class and no response. And then the next morning we heard from her and she was like, sorry, I felt like I wanted to have sex with my husband for the first time in two years. So I left before the, before the feeling changed. Yeah. So there can be this awakening of, of, of that, that very primal and normal aspect of sensuality, but that had maybe gone to sleep because, you know, our lives get busy and, you know, whatever other obligations ask for our attention. Yeah. There, there are women who can come who might have experienced um, something that has been painful, um, where the hip opening and the sensual feminine movement can potentially, um, I don't know if I want to say trigger, but it can evoke something that was maybe hidden or, um, put away. And so, and so then there comes this moment, okay, do I, just completely cut off this aspect of my body, completely cut off this aspect of my life? Or do I start in very small amounts in a safe and sacred space, start feeling this part of my body again and exploring? In Koya, we talk about there's no way you can do it wrong and the way you know that you're doing it right is that it feels good. Can I start exploring and experimenting if there's any way I could reconnect with this part of my body and this, this expression of myself in a way that might feel good? Yeah. And so a lot of um, modern trauma research shows that the main thing is that we have a choice so that each step in a Koya class, we're not saying, you know, everyone look as sexy as possible, do this. Like no one talks like that. It's like hips down and to the right, hips down and to the left, hips down in the front, hips down in the back. So I, in the teacher training, as you know, I talk a lot about offering the hips with this neutral curiosity so that every single woman feels the space to find their relationship to their hips, to their sensuality. And there's no pressure that it needs to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And, and in that, I feel like it's that choice point that we all get to decide whatever our relationship to our hips and our sensuality is, and that it's different every day because we are different every day. And in that, I believe it can be healing, empowering, and enlivening when you feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's it. It's, it's the choice of experience each and every day and meeting yourself where you are each and every day. And I love that, I mean, what you're saying about creating that space and also letting the, the hips to do the leading. You know, that's a lovely thing I, I, I love to do personally and I do it every day to kind of evoke my creativity. But inviting other people to let their hips lead the way you know it, it, it to not be censored by anything and when the hips lead the way there's just so much that follows with it isn't there like this soft almost um I, I I kind of imagine energy waves that kind of ripple through the whole body and through our whole experience as well 
I mean, definitely. And, and I think that's the, the thing that we're really reclaiming is the, is the space mm-hmm. to know that aspect of ourselves and to identify what the conditions are that evoke that. And a big one is safety. Another one is embodiment. And then we can be in our feminine flow. Yeah. And so for most people, when they come and do their first Koya class, you know, it's like they may or may not feel that, you know, for some people it takes months, for some people it takes, you know, longer depending on, you know, just depending on um, h- how we enter the space. But I think the invitation is to just notice you know, what does it feel like when your hips have a voice in the conversation of your body and the conversation of your life? And, um, and that voice can be very powerful. I loved what you said about creativity and, um, and, and to just notice, you know, what does it feel like the consequence of not doing something like this? Mm. You know, what does it feel like when your hips do not have a voice in your body and do not have a voice in your life? And, and, and that can be painfully familiar for a lot of people. And so yeah. sometimes, you know, one of the best ways we can understand the desire or choice to grow or evolve or do something that might be unique or new is to just have just a moment to consider what it's like if we didn't. And, um, yes. and so I think that there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of practical magic there for us as we connect more and more with our hips. Yeah, 100%. And and that leads really nicely into talking about the shadow contrast. So for listeners who may not know about Koya, haven't experienced it yet, shadow is when we can invite in what is the contrast in the feeling that we might be experiencing at the time because shadow being that collective for collective term for what we're repressing or what we might be holding back on from maybe not even knowing how to tap into an experience in ourselves or maybe suppressing something. So I wondered if you could share a bit more about, because shadow for me is such an, a cathartic point of a Koya class. And I, I love the whole aspect of shadow anyway, because it's our wholeness. I wondered if you could share a bit more about shadow for us, please, Rochelle. Of course. Well, yeah, just like you said, I always think of, you know, as we embark on the shadow contrast dance, we dance the opposite of the theme. And this gives us an opportunity to really embrace our wholeness. So let's say the theme of class is forgiveness. And so there's there's this idea that, like Carl Jung says, like if we don't deal with the shadow consciously, it comes up unconsciously. And And so this idea is like, okay, what does it feel like when we're not in a place of forgiveness? And so there's this open space for everyone to decide what that relationship is for them. And then the invitation is to dance with that feeling and to learn from the wisdom of the body to notice what it's like. And I often also invite people to think of it like homeopathic medicine. You know, do this for three to five minutes in a Koya class so you don't have to do it for three to five weeks, months, or years. (laughs) It's like, you know, like it, it is like a little bit of that, um, that, that bite size amount can be enough. So you don't have to have the, you know, the full unconscious, um, experience. And there's another Koya teacher, um, Kitty Cavalier, who before we do the shadow, she talks about, you know, uh, doing the shadow dance can sometimes be like when you're going to like 
you know, lift up the cushions of your couch and you're going to see like all the things that have fallen down there. And it can be a lot of dust bunnies. It can be a lot of dirt. It can be a lot of gross, gross things. But then all of a sudden you find that like golden diamond earring that you had been missing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so that's really like the shadow contrast dance of like, yeah, it, it can be uncomfortable to deal with the parts of ourselves that are not in a place of forgiveness, but it also can be just really honest. And so this idea, sometimes what holds us back from embracing our wholeness are these ideas of shame and guilt around the authentic human expression and experience. And so this opportunity to to just be honest with ourselves, to be in a community of others where we're not pretending like, oh, actually, this is not an issue. I forgive everyone instantaneously if something happens. And, you know, and it's just, it's it's very exhausting to to deny these parts of ourselves, but is what ends up happening is, yes, it can be uncomfortable. Yes, it can be confronting, but it also can be incredibly empowering and delightful when we find something and and I would just say that for me, doing this through the body and not making it a super mental exercise, but a physical exercise is the things that I notice about myself when I do the shadow dance are things that I honestly do not believe I could have ever accessed in a linear mental thinking way. It's like they- Yeah, sometimes they, there are no words, are there? Yeah, yeah the, 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 they bubble up from a place that I'm like, what? Where did that come from? And yeah. and, and it, it astounds me time and time again. So, uh, you know, the invitation is like, before we do the shadow dance, I say like, listen, we're going to do this for like three to five minutes. And then afterwards, it's not like we say, okay, now the class is over. Like everyone have a nice day. Um, you know, Koya is a, you know, a journey. And so after the shadow, um, you know, you could feel emotionally intense. You could feel resistant, which is really common. You could feel empowered. And then however you feel, we're going to notice and we're going to test the whole hypothesis of Koya to see if movement is a way that we can come back to ourselves and we'll do the shaking. So, yeah. so the shadow is has an incredible benefit on its own, but it also is the lead-in to testing the whole hypothesis of Koya if, you know, when we dive into a place um, off of center, you know, can movement bring us back? Yes, 100%. And, and what it is as well is just such a great metaphor for the, the states that we get in each and every day. Exactly. And knowing that actually when you might be feeling a shadow in shadow yourself, that you can move through that, you know, through do, doing different, through moving your body, through shaking, through whatever, to get into a different state. I always ask people, like, hands up after we've done shaking, which I'll, I'll want to talk about more in a minute because I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, is hands up who thought they weren't gonna they were gonna stay in that shadow and they were gonna be there all day and like the hands shoot up right but it's so good to know that you don't have to stay there again mm-hmm. body is choice movement is choice and we can move through it so let's talk about shaking because I love it um, <laughs> It's one of the best things to do ever. Um, so can you share a bit more about shaking and, and trauma release and, and, and what you know about shaking and your and your journey with it through Koya? Of course. Well, the first thing I know about it is that it works. So, yeah, um, and again, and that's coming from a very experiential place in my life and the life of thousands of women who have done the Koya class. Um, so the, the whole premise is to do an experiment and notice if it works for you. So wherever you are right now, um, if you're able to just shake 
your one hand for 10 seconds as I talk. And I often share the story. There's a gazelle running through the grasslands being chased by a lion. The gazelle gets away. And, um, and it, instead of holding the fear of this lion chasing after it and being scared to ever go out, you know, go out and look for food or look for its friends again, um, it shakes through every part of its body, shakes, releases the fear, and then goes back to being a gazelle. So shake that one hand. You're shaking a little bit more. Three, two, one. And now hold up both hands and simply notice if there's a difference between the shaking hand and the non-shaking hand. And the shaking hand often feels a sense of vibrancy, electricity. Um, and the non-shaking hand often feels a sense of dullness and, um, and heaviness. So then it's like, okay. Let's do an experiment and shake every part of our body for about 10 seconds and just notice if movement is a way that we can liberate and free ourselves from, you know, any, any discomfort um, and, and, then, and then come back to our essence. So it's sort of like the idea of like what, if you were doing a cleanse for your body and, you know, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I just feel so much better. I feel so much more like myself. And so it's like this three minutes where you energetically are able to expel and, and let go of any of the discomfort of any of the blockages. So anytime there's any sort of discomfort or dis-ease, it's usually because there's a a blockage of energy. So this starts mm. to free and flow the energy through all the major parts of the body and, and through the energy systems so that it can all flow again. And then as it flows, it's like, oh, we can start to come, come back to ourselves. And I think the, there are so many ways in which we can feel our, our true essence, our truth, the tender, honest place um, of awareness. And, you know, it could be, you know, hiking a mountain in the view at the top. It could be, you know, seeing a sunset. It could be, you know, the contagious laughter of a child. It could be the warmth of your lover's body in bed. And for me, Koya is just really offering that movement is also a way that can bring us into that place. And shaking is the easiest way to guide anyone whether they're you know new to this or have been doing koya or other movement modalities for a long time, is that you can see that movement is a way to come back to yourself. Yeah, brilliant. And and I want to talk um, more as we're talking about this. Is it's a, a protection of the lifestyle that we choose to live as well, um, and also that the the movement, the honoring of the body is um, living a life with devotion. So I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about what your, your take on that, protecting lifestyle and living life with devotion. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, it's not a popular thing to say, but it's, it's, it's a thing. So, so a lot of people, when they want to remedy things in their lives, um, the, the indicators of those of those big stresses or those discomforts um, are often their lifestyle, and so it's it you know it's like well how can I have a super stressful job have like no time to move my body um, have very little time for authentic connections with other people you know like how how am I going to feel more peaceful and all these things um, 
and more connected to my creativity and doing all these things. Um, and, 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 and someone will be like, well, have you thought of changing your lifestyle? It's like, oh no, 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 I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Major blocker. Nope. <laughs> and, and so, and, and I get it because, you know, we, you know, life is busy and it has all these things, but, um, there's this idea like, uh, with oxytocin and this, this bonding, hormone that feeds us and makes us feel like so, so delightful, um, and happy is that the body can't store it. So, so here you are, you know, it's not like you can go on the yoga retreat one week a year and it lasts you the whole year. It's like Mm -hmm. at some point we have to reconcile that our bodies are actually wired in a way that requires us to have lifestyles that nurture us. And so, when I talk about protecting your lifestyle is, is just realizing that when you're in a place of being deeply nourished, everything that you put your attention on also gets more nourished. So whether that's your job or your family or this or that, but um, just like a lot of people maybe don't make the connection between like, Oh, I just ate this. Like I just ate so much food and um, and then like a half an hour later, it's like, oh, I have a stomach ache. And it's like, oh, maybe it's that huge meal that you ate that didn't, you know, whatever it was. I don't even want to say because everyone's is different. And um, and it's like, oh, no, no, I don't think it was that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, just making this connection between like how we feel in our lives is probably an indication of how we're living our lives. And it, and at yeah. some point we have to, we have to really look at that and, and it's, and it can, it can be easy, um, for some people, maybe for me, it's quite difficult. It's like very, I, there, there are many things that, um, like I'm, I'm interviewing assistants this week <laughs> because I am not going to sit in front of my computer six hours a day answering emails. Yeah which is sort of what would need to happen if I were to answer all my emails. And so, <laughs> um, so there, there are certain things that we have to find alternative solutions. But for me, I feel very aware of the fact that I need to protect my lifestyle um, if I'm going to stay in my essence. Yeah. And thank you for that, because it's putting voice out there and saying that actually we can give ourselves permission to do that. I mean, so often it is that asking permission, isn't it? To say, look, you know, if I if if I'm going to live this lifestyle that or I'm going to have a devotion where I'm at the center of this Mm -hmm. life, because that's all we can do is that you give yourself permission to protect that in any way that you need to. And when you, we do that, then there's so much more of us to give around. Yes. And I, and I think ultimately, um, you know, it's, it's very rare where a boss or for an entrepreneur, someone will, will just show up and be like, actually, I think, you know, everything's going to go so much better if you work four days a week, um, you know, instead of five. And so why don't you just try that and see how it works? You know, like the idea of that happening, you know, it can happen for sure. But for most of us, it's going to require us to realize that we have a lot more say in our schedule than we think we do. So coming into this place of co-creating, you know, what, what is going to be the best thing for us. So 
Yeah. And and knowing that each of us is exactly. different, right? So, you know, knowing what you need and what I need and, and just checking in on that. And like you say, just something really as simple as like that's that's the joy of listening to the body is especially like even when you're eating your food it's like how does this make me feel like am I feeling how and talking to the body and saying body what what do you think about this stuff that we're putting in here or you know what do you think about this exercise we're doing or this movement that we're doing does it feel good are we getting nourished like just being able to tune into that is is such a gift as well so I felt like I just want to add one thing to that too because um like for example I said, I don't want to sit in front of my computer for six hours, but I was like, but if I'm writing, I want to sit in front of my computer all day long. (laughs) And then all, you know, and then also when I'm really inspired about something, I love, you know, just diving into it. So it's also like different at different times. So, and that's, you know, one of the big things around, around Koya is really embodying the feminine essence and it's, and it's tendency to shift and change. Yeah. And, and as life does, as we do, as our experiences yeah. do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we're coming up for 10 years of Koya. Like, like what a journey so far. So what, what's next, do you think? Well, yeah. With Koya. I mean, I'm so excited. Um, there, the last teacher training I did was very international. Some, some of the teachers you knew were, there, there were, you know, mm-hmm. almost 10 from Europe. There was a woman from Taiwan. Um, Koi is very popular in New Zealand. <laughs> so it's just so, so incredible. Um, the international aspect of it, um, for me being based in the U.S. and having a deep love of travel, spending almost five months a year outside of the U.S. Um, so, so that's one, one aspect that I'm really excited about nurturing. And some of the things coming up are um, a Koya workshop series uh, where there'll be this invitation for all the Koya teachers to deepen their connection together and to lead themed workshops each month. So for example, the first one will be trusting the sensation of truth in your body and then, you know, having that workshop in 50 or 60 different cities, you know, the month of September. So, yeah, Amazing. so it's just this way that people can start to, um, you know, learn about Koya and explore it. So really supporting teachers to do workshops because Koya has the capacity to take us so deep into ourselves. Um, and then I'm also working on a, another book and some a couple 10-year celebrations. One of them will be... Um, our annual retreat in Costa Rica. I also want to do a big, a big class in New York City, and so, so very, um, very exciting. Also looking at um, opening up uh, some scholarship teacher training um, programs of people that all teach. Uh, specifically all the way through on bringing Koya to different special populations that might not have access to it. So we'll be putting a call out there um, for that and and then listening to the truth in our body as we go. Yeah. And that's the, the wonderful thing about it, isn't it? Because it's uh, it's got the capacity to be never-ending and always flowing, and it's it's such a joy um, to be able to bring to the world. So I just want to thank you, Rochelle. It's been wonderful speaking with you today, and as Koya grows and as the journey grows and as we grow with it, it's um, it's such a gift to be sharing this with 
other people who may want to feel the call to come into Koya. So we're going to make sure that any links, any videos, anything we've talked about is in the call notes that go with the show today. But just as we round up, I this is going to be quite a difficult one, Rochelle, because I always ask the question at the end, like, what's your go-to track that's going to get you up and dancing? But mm-hmm. with Koya... There's so much that music is a gift, but is there anything that's coming into your body right now which you're dancing with at the moment that really feels special to you? Um, do you mean a song? Or do you mean yeah, a song? Yeah, okay, great. A song. I just want to check before I answer it. So, so for me, you know, my thing that gets me up is, you know, shuffle oracle. So it's just, yeah, so it's taking yeah. a playlist, pressing shuffle, and then whatever song comes on, letting that inspire me to to move. So that's really that's really like there's so much magic that has happened for mm. me and so many in that practice. So I definitely invite anyone that's up for it to take a playlist, you know, ask a question and it could just be like what would be, you know, great for me to be present with in this now moment and then give it a go and and see what comes. And sometimes it can be hilarious and sometimes it can be um, deeply profound. And um, and sometimes it can be a little confusing of like, I'm not sure what that is, but yeah, <laughs> but stay with it. Cause who knows? It's like, it might not make sense in that moment, but two hours later at lunch, like some, some mysterious um, synchronicity reveals itself. So that's, that's definitely what gets me up and dancing. Yeah. Love it. And that's, uh, that's a dance card in the uh, Practical Magic Activation deck, which was um, so much of has been inspired by Koya. Amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, yeah, it has. Well, thank you so much for joining on the show today. It's been wonderful speaking with you and just to connect again and, and have a chat and hear your voice. It's wonderful and all the wisdom. So thank, thank you, you, Michelle. Thank you, Kate, and congratulations on everything with Practical Magic and all the expression of self into the world it's such it's such beautiful medicine and i feel so grateful to receive it oh thank you darling so appreciate it so thank you for tuning into the practical magic podcast today with myself kate taylor and rochelle chic who is the founder of koya we are so very honored to have you here and if you did enjoy the show please do go over to itunes to rate review and subscribe you can also still get hold and pre-order the practical magic activation deck which most of which is based on my experiences and practices with Koya so you get to try it out you can find out more by going to my website www.practicalmagicliving.com which will take you over to kickstarter so until next time Thank you for listening.